This week's episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 27th of June 2023 at home in Wicklow. And it is an episode dedicated to a discussion of trust, um, the conditions of trust, why trust is so important to our to our sense of wellness and our sense of capability in the world, particularly in our relationships. And the the catalyst for this this discussion was the Netflix documentary series about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I found myself watching that with my friend Sean. Sean, who was on the podcast about a year ago. Uh, I forgot to give a shout out to Sean's uh, website. So I'll do it right here. It's travelmandalas.com where you can see Sean's beautiful illustrations inspired by his travels to various parts of the world. Well worth checking out. And his work can be enjoyed there and it can be purchased there as well. Um, so if if this episode was, was brought to you by a sponsor, I'd, I'd say brought to you by travelmandalas.com even though it isn't but you know what I mean um, you can trust me that that's a good website to visit and that's good artwork from a good guy <laughs> uh, yeah so we watched a, a documentary series about Arnold Schwarzenegger on, currently on Netflix and I found myself going hmm do I trust this guy what, what, was, what, was, what, what else could he have done to engage my trust, to invite my trust, to earn my trust. And it got me thinking about trust in general and what I look for. So um, that led me to other things. It led me to thoughts on my daughter. It led me to thoughts on my my marriage. Um, It led me to thoughts on what I do here on the podcast and how we conduct ourselves in the online world and yeah I went off on a few tangents I go off on a few tangents in a couple of different places um killing machine kittens is one tangent um beautiful swallows is part of that tangent Oscar Wilde's the happy prince is part of that tangent and um there are others there are others as well um i do i do bring out some quotes i pull some quotes out of my back pocket off my from my good friend mr google and i realize so many quotes about trust have a very moralistic um aspect to them and i distrust that so yeah lots of things coming up but all in that area roughly in that area and um i think you'll uh, i think you'll enjoy it so um get it into you and i'll um i'll see you around the corner okay nice one all the best cheers Ooh, not gonna change my mind leaving the dream behind Keep my hi my name is dara clear and you're listening to the clear out you're very welcome Welcome to another 
another episode of dallying with the examined life another episode of this ongoing inquiry into how to manage oneself better how to live this thing called life without completely losing our minds or our souls is that is that over is that overloading things is that is that applying too much pressure too soon will i back up a bit and talk about kittens would that make you feel safer will that make you feel calmer i know there's a a, a sleepy kitten sleeping on my bed at the other end of this house she's very cute i i shouldn't refer to her as a kitten she's she must be at least two years old now. That's uh, that's Ruby, assistant to the head of marketing, Marlon. Marlon, who's 21, deaf and has dementia, and followed me, <laughs> changed her route to follow me about three times as I was coming back and forth from bedroom to kitchen. And she kept going, oh, maybe I should go with that guy. I would turn around and then I'd already be on my way back when she'd go, oh, there he is again. And then I'd meet her again on my way back and she said, oh yeah, I gotta go with this guy. I'm like, oh, you poor cat. Anyway, she doesn't seem stressed. So that's how I feel about my dad uh, and his dementia. He doesn't seem stressed, so I'm not too worried. And just to clarify, lest you think I'm completely callous, early stages of dementia is what afflicts my father. And he's coping very well. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah. And, and, and unconcerned. And not self-harming or anything dramatic or drastic like that. He's, he's very, he's highly functional. It's mostly, it's mostly uh, an, an issue of, of memory and not having access to memories um, more than anything else. But otherwise, he's, he's absolutely fine so so there you go so if this is your first time to listen you are very welcome indeed always happy to have a, a pair of new ears or one ear you might be a one-eared person uh you might be part of a, a van gogh cult or a van gogh cult or a van gogh cult you might be someone who went i didn't know who you were talking about until you said van gogh oh Van Gogh and if you're in that cult you may only have one ear or maybe you're just someone who removed an ear or maybe there are other reasons I'm going to stop now before I I offend someone who is truly in a position to be offended by a one-eared comment anyway I am grateful for your ear or ears for pressing play on this podcast and you may have got the general gist from my intro but yes here on the clear out i try to delve on a weekly basis into mental health wellness positive psychology uh personal responsibility and um a fearless look at interiority I mean, I'm, I am the guinea pig. I use myself and it's not that I'm so fascinating. 
Um, it's just I'm working with what I've got. And my belief is there are always new things to be learned. There are always new insights to be gained. Not perhaps on a weekly basis, because that, be, that would be insane. That would be exhausting. Um, that won't be the first time uh, you've heard me use those words. That would be insane. That would be exhausting. Um, I, I say that, I often say that as, as a qualifier to, to counter even a tiptoe towards hyper-positivity or hyper-performed wellness, which I cannot stand and reject with every fibre of my being because I think it's completely phony and I don't trust it. I don't trust it. It's confused. I believe it's a misrepresentation. It's a manifestation of something else that I do not trust. Um, but this is perhaps the price we pay for living in the digital age, for living in such a visual age. I've covered this ground before. But it is a very visual age and people are presenting, 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 performing, performing, curating, curating, curating. And it's just stop it. Stop it. And there are so many of us and I have to include myself <laughs> sadly because I'm one of the many 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 who are living parts of their lives in the online space trying to make an offering trying to get people to listen to watch trying to connect trying to do something of note and fundamentally saying hey Look at me. Listen to me. I've got something to say. <laughs> and in its ordinariness, in its ubiquity, there is something excruciating and cringe-worthy about that. I recognise that. I recognise that. And yet, here I sit, a week on from the last episode, going through the whole charade again and it is up to me to convince you or up to you to convince me that this is not a charade that this is of some use that this does contribute something positive something thoughtful something stimulating to your life in this moment, not maybe on an ongoing basis, but once a week, once a month, I don't know, whenever. And that's not to undercut myself. That's not to pull the rug out from underneath myself or to devalue what I do. It's just to acknowledge. It's just to acknowledge the reality. I'm just one of a million bugs in the swamp squeaking squirting <laughs> buzzing <laughs> whatever swamp bugs do yeah and so you know which bug <laughs> which which bug are you going to choose to listen to which bugs podcast are you going to tune into this one dara's podcast that's right 
he's an interesting bug <laughs> i like the corner he stands on and there is value in that there's value in standing on your corner there's value in saying this is where i am this is what i do this is what i think this is what i say this is what i believe and i'm not going to shift from this corner and go to a different corner and try on a different hat because i'm not 12 anymore uh, i'm pretty far from that and then it can be it can be taken or it can be left it's it's pretty simple it's a pretty simple transaction or it's a pretty simple potential transaction anyway there you go I shall press on um, yeah do you remember a few weeks ago a few weeks ago I was talking about foxgloves that may have been three or four or five episode, episodes ago I was talking about popping foxgloves the tall purple belled plant that is ubiquitous I use that word again ubiquitous all over the Irish hedgerows and gardens at the moment and I was somewhere a few weeks ago doing a bit of work and there was a huge mound of earth covered in grass and weeds and absolutely glorious beautiful purple bright purple radiant purple foxgloves and that mound that little hill of earth <laughs> not a hill of beans a hill of foxgloves i went back to that place this morning and it had been flattened eradicated rolled out into broken earth and i was like wow that's a lovely patch of earth that looks like it's ready to take i don't know some grass seed or something but i also had this i also had this feeling of sadness for the foxgloves the foxgloves that were buried underneath that soil because they really were resplendent on that sunny day that i was taking them in but i don't know maybe i'm alone maybe there's not a lot of love for the foxglove fox love yes i'll say it again fox love <laughs> oh well poor old foxgloves and actually i did there was one outside the window here at hashtag blessed where i record and maybe the season is passing the fox love season is passing because i'm looking out the window and i can only i can only see about four or five of the foxglove bells the foxglove flowers sitting on top of the stem and other than that it's it's uh it's bare some leaves interesting interesting to me maybe not interesting to you i mean i don't think any no one picks them because they're poisonous that's the thing i was um trying to think of a, a silly story maybe not a silly story maybe a fun story about why foxgloves are so cold and why they're poisonous and i had this idea of foxes using 
those flowers to cover their paws, to disguise their paw prints when they went raiding farms and other animals thinking that's a great idea and so all the animal paw prints disappear all we're left with are these little dots in the ground left by the the foxglove flowers and somehow the foxes get in trouble for this they get in trouble for teaching everyone how to be stealthy thieves and mother nature or whoever makes the foxgloves poisonous so none of the animals will put them on their paws anymore what do you think of that (laughs) is that completely crap i quite like that idea i quite liked that as a little story idea it may yet it may i may yet do that i may yet do that on aura can you feel my aura i have been terrible terrible aura is an excellent an excellent uh, meditation and wellness and sleep app with loads of audio great audio content from content creators it's not it's not a term i love but you know it is what it is people who are putting content putting stories and meditations and um, mantras and yoga uh, guidance guided meditations you know breath work all kinds of things up on that app from all around the world uh, and i'm one of them um but i have been appallingly unproductive for about a year I, I feel deeply ashamed i've just been so bloody busy and it takes a bit of headspace to pull that stuff off and i mean without wanting to to blow my own horn um that's not a euphemism um you know i've done okay on it i've done quite well and there's i've actually had some really lovely feedback for some of the stuff i've put up there mostly reflections meditations and sleep stories if you're sitting there scratching your head going what's a sleep story it's just a, a relaxing story to put on when you're trying to sleep and as i know from one or two other people in my life I have the kind of voice that can put you to sleep. It's not it's not a wonder it's not a wonderful gift as an actor. <laughs> as a sometime actor, an occasional actor, a lapsed actor. Um because you want people to pay attention. But I believe I have a nice tone that people find relaxing. Um if not uh, a type of narcotic um to help them sleep so yeah that was a story i was thinking hmm i have about four or five stories um sort of sketched out that i I need to just finish and record and throw up on on aura that's a-u-r-a as in can you feel my aura anyway there you go that's it i mean yeah it's regardless of whether you seek me out on aura it is it's a, you know it, it is a very it's a very good app i think and there's a you know, you'll find something for you you know for you there okay so let me just follow up that that recommendation with a simple question do you trust me do you trust me do you trust my recommendation and if you do, why? 
what credit have I built up? I mean, if you're a first time listener to this, what credit could I have built up? Uh, I mean, it's it, the podcast is only 17 or 18 minutes old, if even that. Um, have I built up any credit yet? Is there something in how I put myself across that makes you think, hmm, I trust this guy. I trust this speaker. I trust this disembodied voice that's entering my ears and being processed by my brain and landing somewhere, somewhere in my being. Or you might be a regular listener, in which case there's something, there's something there. You trust you're going to have some kind of experience that you enjoy, an experience you're happy to repeat. So I'm interested, that's that's kind of the topic of today's episode. I'm interested in this idea of trust. And I'll tell you where this came from, but I'm going to, I'm going to have a mouthful of water first. It's really warm. It's very muggy. Um, that We had a, a quite a long spell you know, by Irish standards, we had about five weeks there of really good, warm, sunny, uh, dry weather. That's gone. And we've had a lot of cloudy, rainy weather over the last week or week and a half. And we're still getting nice temperatures, but it makes for mugginess, um, humidity. And yeah, I'm, um, I'm perspiring, if not expiring here. So a quick swig of water, excuse me. Ah, delicious. So, yeah, the idea of trust. I'll tell you, I was watching with a friend over the last couple of nights. My friend, Sean Whitehill. How are you, Sean? I know you're going to be listening to this. I know you're going to be listening to this because you're a regular listener. Fair play to you. You're a good friend. Sean uh, if you're interested to know more about Sean, he was on the podcast about a year ago um, and he's found himself passing this way again. Sean's Australian. He's a traveler. He's a swimmer. He's a great friend of mine. He's also a very talented artist and he does beautiful mandalas, hand-drawn, hand-colored mandalas um, inspired by his travels. So he's just been traveling for a year around Turkey and Spain and Central and South America and he is on his way back to Australia. Um, so he decided he would come and spend another bit of time with us and he's been doing a lot of hanging out with uh, my daughter Maeve and her great pals, which is lovely. Um, one of the things they did, they took in... Uh, so five, six Harry Potter movies. <laughs> there were Harry Potter marathons over the first few days of Sean's visit, which left um, which left Maeve rather exhausted. So um, I might I might revisit that. I might revisit that, and and share a little incident. But I I may not. I'm I'm, I'm weighing it up as I speak. But in any case, Sean and I over the last couple of nights watched the three-part documentary series on Netflix about none other than the what I'm not trying to think of a, a nickname that he's known by but my, my mind's going blank I want to say something to do with Oak um, I do remember uh, Clive James's description of this man 
as looking like a condom full of walnuts. Ah, yes, you guessed it. I'm talking about the beloved Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Um, So there's a a three-part series, documentary series on Netflix called simply Arnold. Arnold. And I was curious to watch it. Um, I I think I think he's a very interesting figure. I think he's a he's an iconic figure, particularly if you're someone who grew up in the the seventies and eighties. I mean, he wouldn't have come on my radar until the eighties, and his sort of movie stardom exploded. But retrospectively, I've obviously I became aware of his uh, legendary achievements in bodybuilding, and you know he's been ever present. I feel he's been ever present in popular culture since then. Um, and the the documentary series is it's a it's an authorized documentary series. It's it's done. It was shot with the the full participation and uh, blessing of its subject. And I guess there have been a few of those of late. Um, I mean, I did watch. Was it earlier this year? I watched it or late last year. The 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 Pamela Anderson um, documentary, which uh, I did find, I, I probably found that more interesting and more revelatory than the the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. Um, they're definitely a thing. I haven't watched the Jennifer Lopez one, which is meant to be very good. Um, so I'd like to watch that. The the Tina Turner one you heard me speak about very recently. Um, I spoke about that at length uh, early last year when I was sort of looking at um, some very serious issues around women and violence to women but this one the Arnold one um, I found myself enjoying the archive footage um, but not not really finding much in it that made me go oh, okay yeah i've learned a lot about this guy i didn't know um and i was saying to, to sean afterwards i was saying look i feel there's nothing we couldn't have found out just by spending an hour on the internet you know digging up old articles and finding the archive footage um and there were some well, maybe some is is unfair, but there was certainly one area of his life there where there, there was some controversy around some of his behaviour um, towards women, accusations of of groping and molestation, um, and they came out around the time he was running for governor of California, um, and we saw a bit of footage of how he dealt with that stuff then, and he did in you know Arnold of today the 75 or 76 year old he did say a very kind of succinct and unambiguous um, something about it to just go like that behaviour was never cool it was never on it was bad form and there's no place for it and you know fine and you know I, I, I kind of believed him I believed you know I believe you know, I believe that that's he recognises that, but I also believe it was a very tidy 
convenient um, soundbite where there was there was going to be no further exploration and in a way that could be the subtitle of the documentary series no further exploration and if you've spent any time on this podcast um over the last couple of years you know i am borderline obsessed with interiority and doing the work on oneself and exploring one's feelings one's um traumas one's internal spaces um and i'm not talking about a self-administered prostate exam boom boom <laughs> um not that kind of any not that kind of internal space the emotional space the emotional domain the psychological domain um and look maybe that's you know maybe i'm just showing my own interest uh, you know in myself because that's how i understand myself or that's how i make sense of myself and my own struggles my own difficulties my own bouts of depression my own self-doubt my own self-loathing uh, my own trauma um my own failings um you know that's where i go to explore that stuff and understand that stuff i go to the emotional domain and the psychological domain and i try to unpick and unpack i try to draw connections and that's kind of my toolbox and i trust it i trust it because it's given me results that i find helpful and it's given me results that i feel i can use as i go forward to help me deal better with those scenarios or those internal um you know the internal kind of conflicts and the external conflicts because of course one thing bleeds into another um and i'm i i know i'm a great believer in that idea as well that we're you know we're, we're an overflowing canvas at all times you know bleeding into someone else's canvas and their canvas is bleeding into ours and that's the that's the the interaction uh and that's the mess of of human connection and human interaction and also it can be the the beauty of human connection and human interaction and funnily enough last week in last week's episode when i was talking about the randomness the randomness of human connection i feel like i i, I failed to mention the the positives i was quite focused on the negatives i mean maybe i presented it more objectively than that but i feel i didn't mention the you know the extraordinary highs that can be experienced when you meet someone at the perfect moment um and that's for example that's always how i think about when my wife and i got together that it was the perfect moment um and i I'm, I'm saying this i'm saying this absolutely without romance <laughs> i mean i just want to qualify that i'm not saying this from a, a gushy wushy syrupy schmaltzy place i'm saying it very objectively and recognizing when my wife and i got together it was the perfect moment we were both looking for exactly the same thing we both responded to that thing that each of us 
wanted. We had both arrived at the same point as individuals. And it just meant that there was this amazing, um, well, connection and synchronicity um, that kind of catapulted us into a lifelong commitment. Um, and that hasn't continued. I mean that that's that's the that's the bare naked truth. Like that just hasn't continued. Life has made it difficult and circumstances and life events have made that a very a very difficult thing to continue to have in our lives. That sense of synchronicity, togetherness, even though we work bloody hard as a as a couple um to keep our keep our shit together to be good parents to our daughter um yeah things things are and and again this is this is not i don't think this i don't feel like this is a a big revelation i think anyone who's been in a relationship for a decent amount of time um and like you know for us that's 22 years these are very recognizable experiences i certainly hope they are (laughs) i certainly hope they are i mean i i believe they are and that consoles me and makes me okay i'm not the only one i'm not the only spouse i'm not the only long-term partner who finds it difficult who finds it difficult to keep battling for for a sense of of hope and a sense of love and keep battling through the tough times and the kind of the falling away and the disenchantment and i think that's i think disenchantment is a good word to use um because of course when you fall in love it is a charm it is an enchantment it is bewitching and when that spell wears off i suppose you know and, and, and i'm making it sound like it's a very kind of either r situation and uh, you know i i need to kind of rush in quickly <laughs> to go there's a depth to a relationship that makes a lot of things survivable um and i do trust in that and i think one of the challenges for any any couple who find themselves walking on different paths i suppose at different times in the relationship or you know looking across at each other from different paths and going who the hell are you <laughs> what <laughs> how how did how did i used to feel that way why do i not feel like that now um i'm not putting words in my own mouth okay i'm, I'm, I'm just giving that as an example as one perspective um but it's it's there's a depth to a relationship i think something really foundational that you realize you know you, you know that's what you build over a lifetime of being with someone and there are times when the building goes really smoothly when things shoot up um i'm thinking of the walls by the way uh <laughs> when things go really well and maybe need, there needs to be an extension maybe there needs to be an extra room built on uh maybe there needs you know maybe and then maybe things need repairing 
but like you're you're working on it all the time um i don't know if, is that a good analogy does that work or is it like is it is it slower than that but what i'm trying to say is and i, I and I'm, I'm repeating myself underneath everything there's a depth of a good relationship that i think makes tough times more survivable and why am i saying that because i'm talking about trust and i'm talking about you know what we what we trust and how we trust and i was talking about arnie arnold and i found myself coming away from that documentary series going eh I don't really, I don't really trust, I don't really trust this guy completely. I think, I think he's a very particular, I don't dislike him, but I think he's a very particular iteration of, of a certain type of masculinity. And it's quite alpha, of course. Um, you know, he's a, he, he's someone who felt he was kind of born to win to go out and achieve and become the best and that was a huge driver in his life and he didn't want to engage with his interiority at all he just wanted to keep moving keep moving get out there win do what it takes to be the best and at times it, it, it feels like it verges on um i don't know if megalomania is fair that might that might be doing a disservice but enormous self-belief, a great believer in visualizations and visions and setting goals. Uh, and you heard me in, in a recent episode talking about how that's not how I'm wired. I don't get, I don't get very fired up by goals i can i can achieve goals i have achieved goals and i have set goals uh in the past um but i'm more of a, a slow burn kind of person where i'll just tip away quietly and have faith in my own resources my own plan my own mission um in a way the podcast is a, is a version of that where i'm patient and go no i trust this process i trust what i'm doing I'm, i trust it will lead to something um it might lead to complete poverty <laughs> it'll lead to something that's what i believe and i trust what i'm doing and even though i have episodes that i've put out that i go ah that really wasn't great was it that was sloppy that was you know it, it was incoherent or it lacked cohesion um i trust you can listen to any any of the episodes that i've put out and you'll get something that you go that feels real that feels true and i, I stand by that now i'm not now i'm not i'm not making a claim for anything other than that but I think that's of value in the world we find ourselves in. In a world where so much comes at us that's so overproduced, over-curated, um, over-perfected, over-presented. And 
as I said earlier, is simply phony, untrue, um, or else it's yeah, or else it's, you know it's just it's just fluff, it's just candy floss, it's just distraction, it's just a nice thing to look at, and that has its own place. And I find myself consuming stuff like that online regularly, um, but I try not to get. I try not to take in too much of it because it ends up being like junk food. You know, it's kind of appealing and tasty and delicious in in the moment, but then you realise it's really insubstantial and ultimately maybe not that good for me, um, as demonstrated by by uh, that guy, Morgan, whatever the hell his name is, the super size me guy. Anyway, anyway. Arnold, I felt... It was all just too serene. Um, you know, he was able to have a laugh at himself, but it was in, in the way that maybe sometimes a narcissist can laugh at themselves. Um, you know, in that sort of, I don't know. What am I trying to describe? The, is it, is it, is it the mafia chief way? It's 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 not it's not as sinister as that, but it's a bit too self-aware. Look at me laughing at myself, um, to show that I'm, I have foibles. To show I recognise I'm not perfect. Um, it's a bit too knowing. I felt in 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 Arnold's case, and and as I say, I I I didn't kind of find myself disliking him. Um. And I, I continue to find him an interesting figure. And that journey, I mean, I find the immigrant journey fascinating. And the, the you know, his sense, which he says in the documentary, that he felt, you know, I, I was meant to be an American. I was meant to be in America. Um, but when it covers the part of his story where he got together with Maria Shriver Kennedy, I felt there's nothing accidental about that. Like it's presented as, oh, you know, I was doing this event and, oh, Rose Kennedy was there and, oh, and, you know, this is my daughter and, oh, isn't she lovely? And I'm thinking, now this is a guy who's like, oh, it's the Kennedys. I, I suddenly find this girl extremely attractive. Perhaps that's my speculation. But again, I feel like he wasn't really willing to kind of lift the covers. And even when I'm talking about the the allegations of sexual assault, I would have found it really refreshing if he just turned around and said, yeah, I was an absolute dog and uh, I couldn't resist a beautiful woman in a bikini on Venice Beach in the 70s when I was working out at Gold's Gym and I was the man and everyone was, you know, getting G'd up by my motivational skills, my charm. I loved being there and I was horny all the time, maybe. And I didn't always behave very respectfully towards women because there were a lot of women around who were attracted to me because I was constantly getting around in a pair of skimpy briefs with this incredible physique that I'd worked on that had won me so many of these bodybuilding titles. Um, and that's something I've struggled to manage, you know, my, my sex drive, my libido. Um, that would have been refreshing, but there was none of that. Um, now, does that mean he lacks insight? Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. I just think he's, you know, he's he's performing to the last. 
Um, yeah. So what I learned from that is when I reflect on my own kind of thinking, I'm like, okay, so what I need to trust someone. And so if we go to like just relationships and trusting somebody and even trusting someone from afar, like a superstar bodybuilder, actor, governor of California person like Schwarzenegger, um, you know, the ultimate migrant success story, even to trust him from afar, I'm looking for more honesty. I'm looking for more candor. I'm looking for more vulnerability, more personal insight. Um, and it's not that you can't learn something about a person by what they don't say. Of course you can. And he had very little to say about the way he shut himself off from his family um, and from his older brother. Um, and I just thought, okay, what we're looking at is the epitome of single-minded ruthless personal ambition and everyone else can fall off the face of the earth because i only care about one thing my prize being the best getting to the top and as a case study of that type of personality and because he achieved so much and was so successful and and achieved the things he set out to achieve i think he's interesting um but that's it um, I would have, as I say, I would have found it much more interesting and sort of emotionally or kind of psychologically satisfying had he looked under the covers a bit more or showed us um, some real honesty about himself. Um, so yeah, so trust. That's, and so that's, that's why I kind of came into this episode thinking... What is it? Like, what do we look for? How do we, how do we understand trust? Um, and as I sometimes do, I just decided to do a quick Google search before I started recording trust quotes, trust quotes and sayings. And there's a lot of generic ones out there. You know, trust takes a lifetime to build, but can be destroyed in seconds. Um, you know, it's like a piece of paper and it gets crumpled you can flatten it out, but it's never the same again. And lots of the trust sayings seem to be sort of slightly foreboding or come across as cautionary tales. Um, there's also quotes about, you know, uh, trust is earned, uh, respect is given, loyalty is demonstrated, and you lose, you lose one, you lose all three. They're all very... Watch out now. Be careful now. Don't blow it. You know, trust. Well, you won't get it back. You know, it's once, once, once given away, hard to get again. Um, and in that regard, they all have a very kind of moralistic vibe about them, um, which I distrust. <laughs> But then that's what you get when you look at pithy quotes that usually adorn the waiting rooms of, of dental um, or medical practices. Um, little little sound bites, 
little slogans to stick on a wall with some generic image. Um, two people holding hands or comrades or my favourite is the kitten jumping over the flowers, running through the field of flowers. I have one of those. I referred to her earlier, Ruby. Um, in fact, there's a hole, a hole, <laughs> you know, a, a shallow, a small shallow hole in the back field here where I go out most mornings to to practice my, my, my qigong, my tai chi, my stretches, whatever I might do. A bit of a workout, maybe some slow karate. Um, take Pepper the dog, kick the ball. And sometimes we're joined by Ruby the cat and she inserts herself into that hole because cats like a little spot where they feel a bit hidden from which to assess their prey. And aren't they marvellous little machines, little killing machines that are so ridiculously cute? Because a white shark is also a killing machine, one of the most ferocious killing machines on planet Earth. And one thing a white shark isn't is cute. But our kitten, Ruby, is also a killing machine. And she's such a killing machine that the, the swallows that hang out here at Hashtag Blessed every summer, they've had enough of her. Now, I haven't seen her catch a swallow, thank goodness, because I'm very fond of swallows. I, I love what they represent. And they're just, a, they're just a beautiful bird. The swallow is a beautiful bird. Um, and I always think of Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince and the, the heartbreaking ending to that story with the swallow who has bestowed the happy prince's gifts to the impoverished citizens of the city over which the happy prince casts his compassionate eye. Um, but in any case, <laughs> the, the swallows are so pissed off with Ruby the kitten stalking them and hanging out in, in the stables here um, and in the shed that they've taken to dive bombing her so she'll just be sitting in the garden kind of minding her own business but cats are never truly minding their own business that's not really how they roll it's certainly not how ruby rolls but i, I saw her the other day in the garden just sitting there and just getting swooped by swallows and i thought well you know one part of me was like fair play like i i've i respect what those swallows are doing they're saying kitten Get the hell out of our lives. Stay away or we're going to dive bomb you. But I was also thinking, you dumb swallows. All that kitten has to do is jump six inches at speed, which he is more than capable of. And you're a dead swooping swallow. But that's nature and I don't interfere. I try not to interfere. Um, and, you know, dozens of dead shrews... Uh, uh, is testament to that that's right shrews shrews the taming of the shrew there's no taming here there's just slaughter the slaughter of the shrews um yes and so if i just wrap up that little kitten anecdote um with some connective tissue back to trust you can trust a kitten or a cat will always be entirely selfish 
I mean, I like that. Um, I like that about them, and I, I applaud it. And I worry about dogs. I've got we've got this gorgeous dog who's just such a sweetheart, such a docile, lovely thing. Um, and, you know, pure puppy still. She's only nine months old, Pepper. And sometimes I go, my God, dogs are extraordinary because they'll they take all kinds of abuse from a, an owner and stay loyal and still trust trust in the idea that their love and loyalty will overcome their owner's cruelty which is kind of grotesque when you think of the people who abuse animals or abuse you know, particularly abuse dogs because dogs have that nature um, I mean I love cats and I see myself as a cat person more than a dog person but cats don't have that nature cats are always a millisecond away from giving you the middle finger um, or I don't know. I, I imagine cats just sitting over me at night deciding whether to kill me or not. <laughs> not, you know, and it's not because I've done anything bad to them. It's just because they can. They're like, will I, will I rip out his gizzard? <laughs> will I blind him for fun? Will I stick my, <laughs> my, <laughs> my paw, my paw full of claws Will I embed it in his beating heart and stop his <laughs> stop his breath? Oh man, cats. They make me laugh. <sighs> when I was in acting school quite a few years ago now, um, it would have been my first term of acting school. And there was a very nice Scottish guy and then there was an English guy who seemed to just irritate everyone because he was a bit of a teacher's pet. I went, I know, I went to acting school in England. Incidentally, I may or may not have mentioned that five hundred times before, but those those two guys were doing a duologue, a little conversational scene from a play, and. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go blank on the name of the play, but there is a movie version of it. It probably was a movie from the fifties or sixties, and it's a scene between Montezuma. I think was he like an Inca leader and a conquistador. Um, what the? I think Sun is in the name of the the play, and I'm I'm like a, a soldier standing by while my superior officer has a meeting with the the you know the indigenous king and he he had a line so the scottish guy was playing the the the, the conquistador and the english guy was playing the, the the you know the inca king and he had to do some funky dance and the scottish guy's one of his lines was and he had to deliver it in this you know, received pronunciation, which he always struggled with a bit. But his his line was, you make me laugh. You make me laugh. And um, yeah, I just had a flash of that. And I just had to stand in the background and try not to upstage anyone with ridiculous uh, gurning and over-the-top reactions to the scene I was observing. Um, 
did I do that? Did I resist? I probably didn't. Because you're just trying to act your little socks off. <laughs> Look at me. I'm acting. I'm in acting school. How delightful. Yeah. So trust. I mean, trust. Um, you know, speak of, speaking of actors, the actors that you trust, the performers that you trust. It, you know, you, you know. I've spoken about that before. The, the earlier this year about the, 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 the importance of tone, the primacy of tone in really well-made films. Knowing you're in safe hands when the director gets the tone right, it's such a good place to be. It's such a good place to be. Um, to just be there and go, this director knows exactly what they're trying to achieve. And the tone is spot on for this movie, for this story. It's such a lovely feeling to be sitting there enjoying that. And of course, performers can have that all of their own. A performer that you like, um, that you trust. You're going to have a good experience. They're going to take you to a good place. Um, and very few performers have it, probably, really, when it comes down to it. Um, it I was listening to... Al Pacino recently on the Bill Simmons podcast Bill Simmons um, yeah Bill Simmons is if you don't know Bill Simmons I mean you may know and then you go I don't need you don't need to tell me who Bill Simmons is but Bill Simmons is a hugely successful um, kind of journalist stroke media entrepreneur who came from a sports column for one of the Boston papers uh, to working with ESPN to setting up his own podcast network, The Ringer. And he's one of the regular, he's one of the guys I listen to on the, the Rewatchables, the movie podcast I listen to a lot. Um, but he has his own podcast, which is predominantly uh, sports focused and American sports. So lots of, um, you know, football and basketball particularly i think but he also interviews people on that and interviews uh, actors amongst other people and he was interviewing al pacino and oh man was it barry levinson maybe i think it was barry levinson and pacino came across so well so well just came across so just so humble and kind of normal and unaffected um, and personable and warm. It was really interesting. And it was just, it was really nice to hear. Really nice to hear. Um, yeah. So what does that do for me? It makes me go, oh, I'm, it just kind of reignites my interest in Pacino. You know, when you hear someone who represents themselves well or you just trust that's who they are. So we're in that area of trust still. But um, what I wanted to do briefly, and I'm hesitating to bring my phone uh, closer to the computer because it seems to make my recording software a bit glitchy. But there were some quotes that I liked about trust. I'm going to risk it. Yeah, My phone was on the floor. I threw it to the floor so it wasn't going to be annoying me. Um... There were a couple of nice ones. Um, let me see. To be trusted. 
is a greater compliment than being loved. Uh, that's from George MacDonald. I don't know who that is. Um, what do you think of that one? To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. It's it's a very, um, I think it's a very powerful thing to be trusted. When someone goes, I'm coming to you with this information. Um, I had a, a school friend, a neighbour in fact, who wasn't that well suited to school. He wasn't really academically inclined and he was a big guy and um, an awkward mover, shall I say. Is that, um, am I being too subtle here? <laughs> he was a big lump of a farmer's son and he used to get quite a bit of stick. He used to get, yeah, he used to get kind of teased pretty mercilessly. But he was a big lad and he wasn't afraid to kind of stick up for himself. But he wasn't the type of guy who was going to be quick with his, you know, with his wit um, or, you know, get into some sort of verbal banter. So he was he was an easy target. And he was I always thought he was, you know, he was a nice guy. And I remember he took me into his trust one day um and swore me to secrecy and i'm just going to tell you this this is a this is this is a <laughs> this is a happy ending uh insofar as it's going to illustrate uh, what i hope it's going to illustrate so nothing ominous happened here and it was a very it was a very simple it was a very simple thing he there was a girl he liked and he said that I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. Um, and I, I knew the, the instant he said it. Yeah, this this was a girl who would have been would have been popular, would have been considered. Oh yeah, she's a she'd be um, yeah, uh, you know, a very you know, <laughs> a very desirable you know uh, girl in the school. And I knew if it came out that he fancied her or was attracted to her, it would have been absolute murder. He would have been slaughtered um, with the with the slagging. Um, he would have just been held up as an absolute laughing stock. But it was such I could just feel his his vulnerability, and I recognised kind of the 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 impossibility of the situation. Um, and the high, that the, the, you know, the, the unlikelihood of anything ever happening there between him and the girl. And so I, I sort of, I just recognised there was a sort of a, a real, a, yeah, a real vulnerability and tenderness to just him sharing that with me and then being entrusted with it. And... Um, the happy ending is not that he got together with her he didn't <laughs> the happy ending is I never broke that trust and I'm not breaking it now because you don't know who I'm talking about and I've never told anyone about that never mentioned I've never mentioned that girl's name but I remember that conversation as clear as day just walking along the road between our houses um, and it is a big thing and I felt, I felt that's, um, 
I just felt, you know, it wasn't that I felt, oh, I'm so honoured. I just felt, don't mess with this. Don't mess with this. Don't be a dick. Don't mess with it. I mean, I wasn't tempted, so that was fine. But, um, yeah, sorry, I was just going to throw that out there. And, and it's not to, you know, I'm not trying to go, I'm such a legend. I mean, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little story from my past. Okay, so don't kill me. Um, three things you should never break. Promises, trust, and someone's heart. No, I don't like that. It's a bit naff. It's a bit, it's a bit naff. Um, let me see. There was one I liked, though. Oh, yeah. A relationship with no trust is like a car without gas. You can stay in it, but it won't go anywhere. Quite like that. Yeah, there has to be trust. Um, there was one. Oh, I'm going to come back to that one. There's one I really like. Um, try this one. And again, if I don't tell you who said it, it's because it's not attributed. And of course, that makes these that makes all of these a little bit less trustworthy anyway. Relationships are about trust. If you have to play a detective, then it's time to move on. So, I mean, where does your mind go when you hear that one? Relationships are about trust. If you have to play detective, then it's time to move on. So it suggests something's been covered up. There are secrets or you feel you're not getting the whole truth. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you have to have complete transparency, complete honesty, complete openness? Is that is that necessary? Can you have trust when those things aren't present? I mean, if you trust someone, you're going to extend them more room, aren't you? Isn't that healthy? If someone says, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather not go there. I'd rather not talk about this. I always need to have a certain amount of space or time or there are certain areas in my life that I'm not going to share with you. I mean, is that something you can handle? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that feels reasonable to me. That feels reasonable to me. Um, I liked this one. Uh, this is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Self-trust is the essence of heroism. Self-trust is the essence of heroism. That's, um, I find that one quite powerful because it chimes with my my own interest in self-reliance and personal responsibility. And if you're going to be self-reliant, if you're going to be hold yourself responsible for your own wellness, your own movement through life and not depend on others to carry you and not hold others accountable for their perceived failings or insults or whatever and you really lay it all on yourself, that's, I don't think it's easily achieved, but I do think it's desirable. Um, but then it does raise the question of how do you earn your own trust? I think that requires a huge amount of of work and of attentiveness to your own behavior, your own patterns, understanding 
understanding how you conduct yourself and why you do the things you do um and again i'm hesitating to say that there's a moral aspect to this because the moralizing or the moralistic vibe uh, as i said earlier of some of these quotes i find i just find it too much um I, you know i think you know these things are handed down like great wisdoms um you know which a lot of internet quotes end up being used as um and i just think you know when you when you get into sort of the should advice you know you shouldn't be doing that you should be doing this like the moralistic um laying out of parameters um, you know, we veer into intolerance and we veer into censure and judgment. Um, I, I just think that way lies pain, that way lies conflict, that way lies hypocrisy. I think uh, worry about yourself, you know, get your own house in order, conduct yourself well um, and let other people do their own learning unless for some reason they, they feel you're a good person to come to, to talk to, to share an experience with, in which case, you know, treat it, treat it um, carefully. Um, and don't, don't take it to an egotistical place. Um, but self-trust, it's, it's, it's a very strong idea. You know, do you trust yourself? I mean, I've been thinking about this recently and, and that's another reason uh, I wanted to look at trust um, because I was thinking about this idea of when you find yourself at odds with people you care for when you feel you've lost their trust you know what do you do like what's the response do you examine you know you examine yourself and go shit I'm wrong everyone else is right and I need to you know account for myself I need to you know, begin the, the reparations. I need to do the work to, to mend these relationships. That That is a choice. If you feel the, the, the judgment is warranted, if you feel the censure is warranted, if you feel you've broken trust. Um, but if you don't, I mean, if you feel that's not the case and it's just an unhappy coincidence that that people you care about think you're a dick. <laughs> um, what do you do then? Do you trust? No, I think, I think I, I think I can wait this out. I think my own resources will bear me out. I mean that takes courage, and in that regard, I think Emerson's quote makes more sense. That idea. Of heroism the more sort of stoic version of heroism not the superhero nonsense that we've bombarded being that we have been bombarded with for the last um what is it now 15 years um i mean we've just reached saturation point i think fewer and fewer people are interested in con going on that you know continuing uh, that journey with all the different types of um you know spandex wearing masked 
muscular super whatevers um but you've heard me you've heard me express that idea before that the iteration of heroism that is rooted in mediocrity the 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 unheralded unremarkable achievements of the daily grind um the the again i repeat myself for those of you who've been here before but if this is your first episode i'm not <laughs> this is going to be a nugget um the heroism of just getting out of bed in the morning the heroism of getting yourself out the door of being front facing to the world regardless of what dogs you regardless of the anchors the burdens that weigh you down dragging that anchor through your day but you get on with it and you get out there and you do your best see that to me is heroic um and far far more interesting than the more conventional idea of heroism um here's one here's one more quote to finish because i was trying to keep this one short consistency is the true foundation of trust either keep your promises or do not make them that's from roy t bennett again like george mcdonald i've no idea who he is um consistency is the true foundation of trust either keep your promises or do not make them again i find this one quite resonant i find this quite powerful um and I, I immediately think of my daughter i immediately think of how i conduct myself with my daughter and um i may or may not have mentioned this before but one thing i say to my daughter if we're out and about and doing stuff and maybe it's you know just stuff that is physically challenging for her a bit of climbing or negotiating something or something that that's a little bit scary um i always say to her when you're with me i'll never let anything bad happen to you now there's a part of my brain that goes i don't know if that's a, a promise i can keep but within the normal bounds of experience within you know within the kind of the mean um human experience i believe it is something i can keep so i mean obviously there are going to be you know there's always there are always um feasible extremes but i'm not thinking of those i'm thinking of the everyday stuff so i think that's a reasonable promise to keep um and i think it's an honorable promise to keep to a child that i'll be steady i'll be a rock i'll be dependable um i put enormous stock in that i think that's really important um yeah it makes me it's funny god if if i'd been on the ball it's only because it's only because i just thought of it as i was saying that there because i wrote a poem that i put up on the blog that um you have to wait for the website to be launched which i think that's just gonna that's gonna happen very soon um I wrote a poem about my daughter climbing all over me um, from a few years ago. So she was a little bit younger. And um, one of her favorite things just to jump up on me and climb all over me. And I wrote a poem that I think was, uh, I think it was quite effective. 
Okay, I'm going to be indulgent. I'm going to quickly try and find. I'll see if my computer behaves, and I'll um, I'll try and bring it up quickly just to just to read it. Um, because it's a poem I liked. I, I mean, I don't always like my poems that I write, but I liked this one. And I'm just trying to remember. I'm just trying to remember what I called it, and I'm failing to remember. Yeah, this is a Word doc, and my computer's getting very old, so it seems to take five years for a Word document to um, come up. But, um, yeah, trust. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's everywhere, isn't it? And, And that idea of consistency, and I think consistent positive experience, um... Yeah, consistent positive experience is what builds trust because that gives us reliability, dependability. It gives us a sense of safety. And what it does is it means we don't have to bring other considerations into play. We don't have to have a contingency plan. We don't have to have something in the back pocket. And it just allows uh, a clean healthy interaction to take place and I think that's absolutely desirable um, and I know when I get when I get kind of tech rage when my computer stops working or um, even design rage when the milk <laughs> the milk drips in a way uh, that I, I think I, th- I think is absolutely unacceptable from the, the, the top of the carton because I think no, this is ridiculous you know you pour the milk and it's kind of dripping down the, the front of the carton or the bottle I'm like no this is not good enough and that's me kind of going no I trusted you bottle or carton plastic container I trusted you to do a job and you're not doing it computer I trusted you to work and you're not doing it microphone I trusted you to work and you're not doing it and it makes me crazy. Um, okay, here, let me hit you with this. This is a poem I wrote a few years ago. It was actually just at the start of the pandemic, just before we moved back to Ireland. And this poem is called Closer. When will it be that she sees the shock of the old? When will she stop in her tracks, stop her breath? And take charge of my feelings so that I'm not hurt by more than the passing of time. No time soon. She marauds over me like terrain to be conquered. My arms are limbs to swing from. My legs and back juts and jags of rock and granite to be scaled and hammered. My head a peak to stand atop, to command her domain. She sets her feet on me, trusting the ground won't give way. There is no discussion or greeting, no approach, no preamble. I am a cliff face up which to scramble, ageless and eternal, forever there. How could I not repay the compliment by standing tall as the sky, like a caveman 
trying to reach the sun. Mm. As I say, <laughs> I like that one. So, yeah, trust. And I think, I think as a parent, there's nothing, there's nothing greater you can offer your child than the representation of trust that you're a safe person to be around that you're someone that they can depend on that you are good soil out of which they can grow yeah and yeah ultimately I think that's what um, that's what we look for in, in anything that we trust that it's something richer will come from this or something here will allow me to build my 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 moment on something here will allow me to get a good foothold um so even if it's just something mundane i mean that that's 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 trusting in the routine that's that's the zen part uh, but coming back to trusting oneself trusting one's breath Trusting one's ability to gain control. Trusting one's ability to have agency. Trusting one's ability to not lose your shit. That's a good one. Try and keep it together. And trust yourself. Trust yourself to fall. Trust yourself to fail. Trust yourself to explode. Trust yourself to implode. Trust yourself to fall apart with tears of despair, rage, upset, loss, fear, anxiety. And trust that you'll be okay. Trust that you can bounce out of that. Trust that you can rebuild. Trust that every day is another chance. It's another chance to go again. It's another chance to put a better something in place. Trust you can learn and trust you can forgive yourself for not being perfect. Trust you can forgive yourself for failing. Um, you have to. You have to. I have to. And I do. And I try. And then I get a little bit of hope again. <laughs> I go, it's okay. It's okay. I can, I can continue. I can continue. Okay, uh, but I'm not going to continue now. I'm going to conclude. Um, this has been a little bit longer than expected. But um, I think there were nice things in today's episode. Uh, I think trust was worth looking at. It wasn't exhaustive. Um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't comprehensive or complete. But there's enough there. I think there's enough there to, uh, to get you thinking. And I enjoyed it. So, um, so that's all that matters really <laughs> okay um, I'll be back again with something else next week and you can go and find me if you want to throw me some love on social media there'll be links there wherever you're listening to this and you can always if you're so inspired throw some financial heft behind this independent production to demonstrate your regard for what I do, you can use the Patreon link. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And I would welcome whatever you choose to give. And if you can't give, don't worry about it. You can rate, you can subscribe, you can comment, 
you can spread the love share recommend whatever you want to do and if you don't like it stay very very quiet indeed okay i'll talk to you soon stay well trust yourself okay trust yourself trust the journey trust you can do it and um, good things will come i promise i believe in that okay mind yourselves talk to you soon all the best bye